Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. How are we doing today? Uh, it's not bad. I think the barometric pressure changed. Everybody's kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, we're so glad you're here. So we are starting a new series, if you didn't catch on, in the book of James, which I'm kind of excited about. My family's actually memorizing the book of James right now. I think Andrew, if he wanted to, could probably come up and quote most of the first chapter. All of, you want to do it? Come on, Drew. I did not prep. Come on, man. Promise nobody's going to be mad if you miss something. Thank you, babe. All right. You can't use my headset. You got to grab my mic. It's, uh, we're close. We're not that close. Um. All right. Dad used, a, dad used a different version I than, than I memorized it in, so it'll sound different, but James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres on a trial, because having stood the test, that person will, will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My, de- my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and... 
nope, nope. Uh, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Man. Yeah, he's got me beat by a long shot. <laughs> right? Let's go home. No. Can't do that. Yeah, I mean, impressive, right? Crazy. Crazy. Um, and, and so, and I think the women are going through James as well, Saturday morning, so just falls right in. Uh, we had a plan. We threw it out. We're like, now nah, let's teach on James. Um, speaking of, before we get into it, so I have one last... Seven years of slaying giants car sticker here, and it is for it is free for somebody who has a testimony from this week of something God did who doesn't already have one. Oh wow, that is rough. <laughs> nobody, nobody has anything God did in their lives, and they're like, I want to represent Thrones. God did something. Come on, come on, somebody's got something. Guys in the sound booth are all talking. Nobody. I no. thought the whole purpose of my life, yeah, the meaning of the my testimony. life, no. was finding. That's not it. Thanks. Nobody? Oh, nobody has anything God did in their lives this week, huh? Man, that is, that is terrible, church. <laughs> uh, you need to pray more. All right. We're doing this 40 days thing. You should join us. All right. All right. Well, then I guess I get to keep it. And I'll share some things that God did this week. Um, testimonies from this week. Well, here's what's cool. We have more guys praying now than probably we've ever had. Yeah. So this past, we've been praying on Friday mornings with the guys doing the hard 40. And I asked from the beginning, God, would you make us a, brain, a praying church? For numerous reasons, besides the obvious but one of the main reasons is we want God to get the credit for whatever happens here. And not us and not good strategy or good plans or good execution, but the Lord. Like God did it. God did it. We called on him and he did it. We watched him do it and we called on him. So in the beginning we prayed, God, would you just make us a praying church? And here's what's cool. So like in the very early years, the first prayer meeting we started, Michael can attest to it. Amanda can attest to it. It was us in their house. In a lot of weeks, it was me and my wife and Jimena and Michael. And that was it. <laughs> and at least one to two of us didn't want to be there. Right? <laughs> like, that was kind of how it was. Um, and, 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 then, and then it was like one week, I remember we had like seven people and it was like, man, we're exploding. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy. It was just awesome. And, and then... Fast forward, fast forward to like right now, you know, and, and 2020, well, going back 2020, Jimena feels like God lays on her heart, let's pray every day for a year. And we do. Our church triples in that time. God just blows us up, does amazing things. And we gathered, you know, before others gathered, and he just led us through every step of that. And it was awesome. Now, women are praying, is it two or three times a week? Twice a week, okay, there's two other groups praying outside of when circles pray. 
So at least four times a week, if we count Sunday morning right before service, five times a week plus circles, our church is praying. And here's what's cool. It's an answer to prayer that we're praying. Yeah, and that we're becoming a praying church. So if, um, how many know Chicago Tabernacle? Anybody here ever heard of that? Al Toledo and Chrissy Toledo? So her father... Um, and, and Al Toledo's father-in-law, their, their larger church in the city, is a guy named Jim Cimbala. If you don't know who that is, he pastors Brooklyn Tabernacle. It's in Brooklyn. <laughs> okay, write it down. All right, so here's what's cool. In the early years, he, he came in and, and basically started pastoring this tiny little struggling church. And it was just dead, and he, he couldn't get anything moving. Nothing. So you, you guys may recognize the song. How many of you, if you're like, I have no clue what Brooklyn Tabernacle is, I've never heard of Jim Symbol and nothing, or Chicago Tabernacle. How many people remember the song? Because we've sung it here. Kids have sung it a bunch of times. Happy birthday, Jesus. Hands up. Put your hands up. Really? Happy birthday, Jesus. Come Man, you need to get to church more. Man, God's not moving in your life. I've never heard happy birthday, Jesus. Man, we are having an altar call today. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. Happy Birthday Jesus was written at Brooklyn Tab, one of, the, one of the many famous songs that came out of that church, but it started from Jim Cimbala just saying, we're just going to pray. We're just going to call on God. Now that church, at least at its height, was something like 10,000 people. But get this, on Tuesday nights, their prayer meeting was 1,000 people, and he said, I don't count our church attendance by who comes on Sunday, but by who comes on Tuesday. Because those are the people who are being discipled and seeking God. And, and there was just something to it. He wrote a very famous book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, great, great book. But he understood something about the power of God moving in our lives is from a testimony of seeking and consistent story of saying it over and over. And the book of James is the testimony of the life of James. It's his story of the power of God. It's really the last thing he writes shortly after he writes this book. God uses him to write this book. He is killed for his faith. He is clubbed to death by some Jewish leaders. But not only that, if you're an atheist today, agnostic, far from God, first of all, we're glad you're here. But secondly, I would tell you this, James is one of the evidences that Jesus is who he said he was, that he lived, died, and rose again, because James is the half-brother of Jesus. Why did I say half-brother? Because Joseph wasn't his dad. God was, God was his dad, okay? Jesus is God. And he's the son of God at the same time. And he is birth. James is his half-brother. And throughout Jesus' life and death, he does not believe. He comes to faith after from the resurrection and the move of God. And I don't care who you are. When you are willing to say, my blood brother is God... (laughs) There is something powerful to that. There is legitimacy. Because I love my brother. I don't think he's Jesus. <laughs> right? I don't think he, and he doesn't think I am either, which is good. Right? I would not worship my brother. And he would not worship me. That's good news. 
But if he would stop and worship, that means something changed in the story. Something dramatic, life-changing, forever different. And that's James's story. It validates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the original language, the Hebrew would actually translate his name like Jacobus, and we would say Jacob, but Greeks also interpreted the scripture, which is their version of the Greek word, so they call him James. That's where we get the word James, okay? And he's writing this letter to, and it says right at the beginning, Jewish believers scattered about. This letter is, what happens is Peter God has blown up in the city of Jerusalem. Certain amount of time has gone on, and Peter is like, all right, I'm done here. I'm going to go plant other churches elsewhere. And James takes over the church in Jerusalem at the center of it all. James becomes the pastor of it. And James writes to them, and then the ones that are scattered. If you read in the book of Acts, you're going to see Stephen is the first martyr for Jesus. He's stoned to death. And what happens is, when people get persecuted for faith, they leave, (laughs) right? Okay? How many people were like, you know, the week after, you know, the shutdowns, they were like, I'm still meeting. (laughs) Not a lot of us, right? But they were, you know, they were like, let's go. Uh, And they stayed, and James was one of those guys who stayed. He didn't scatter, which says something about James's character, too. Right? So eventually he's writing to all of these people. This isn't to one church. This is to many Christians across a spectrum of places. And, and here's what he says. We'll jump into verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, I'm going to pause. Take this as James' life total of his wisdom and of his walk, of how he came to know Jesus His brother is the Messiah. He's the risen Lord. He's been pastoring the main church. And he speaks to this, and this is like the sum total of everything he's learned put into a letter. And he's giving it to you. And here's what he says, dear brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. Such people shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They'll fade away like a flower in the field. The hot sun rises, the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they'll receive the crown of life God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, don't say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. Whatever's good 
and perfect as a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. First thing he starts with is our faith gives function to fallout. I'm going to say it again for the screen guys. Our faith gives function to fallout. You guys ever seen like form or function, right? Design people know, like, is it form or is it function? If you're designing a house, I, I don't even know. Is it form or is it function first? You can say it. Form follows function. Okay, so design follows what you need it to do is another way of saying it. Well, in this case, faith gives function or the ability to use something from fallout. Faith is not the avoidance of struggle. It's not the ability to evade problems. It does some, okay, right? A life without sin helps, right? Not following Jesus and saying, I'm not going to be addicted to heroin, very helpful. You avoid a lot of problems when you follow Jesus well. Okay, but you do not avoid all problems. That's impossible. Jesus said, trouble will come. One of the great promises of God we never quote, right? (laughs) We sing those songs, you know, and all your promises are yes and amen, right? Well, one of the promises are, oh, and you will have trouble. (laughs) No, I I don't want that one, right? James experienced this. He experienced incredible devastation. Shortly after this, he's murdered. Right? He's, he's seen it. He's watched believers die who were his friends. And he goes on to say, consider it joy. James, man, you need some counseling. What's the matter with you? No. Stop it. Consider it a joy when you're struggling like this. See, we say stuff like, I'm just so blessed, Right? When we're healthy, when we're wealthy, and when things are just going our way, I'm so blessed. And I'm not saying you're not, but if you read like Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes, when Jesus goes down, blessed is he who, it's never like blessed is he who is wealthy. Blessed is he who is popular. Blessed is he who gets a book deal. Blessed is he who has a famous podcast. Blessed is he who gets their face on TBN. Blessed is he who's, who attains a 401k that surpasses all their friends. Blessed is he who has seven houses in the Caribbean. Blessed, it doesn't say any of that. And I'm not saying those aren't blessings from God. They can be. Okay? But it says blessed is, anybody remember? Talk to me. Poor in spirit. What else? Meek. Lonely. Persecuted. Peacekeepers. People who mourn. Does anybody who mourned feel like, I'm pretty blessed? (laughs) I've never felt that way when mourning. I've never been like, I feel the blessing. And yet the Lord says, the word actually says there's blessing in that. But God smiles on those in those moments. How many of us, when we're well off, when we're doing good, and if you live in the U.S., if you have running water, If you have utilities, you're in 
the top 4% of the world's wealthiest people. We are the ones that James is saying, hey, watch your soul. Be careful. The Western church is in a lot of danger because we're far more comfortable than we realize and we're far more capable of quitting than those being persecuted for their faith in India and China. We're the ones in far more danger. James is saying, you better watch your soul because this is way more dangerous than being killed for your faith. There, at least you know. You know what side you stand on. Here you don't. Watch out. But consider it a joy when you're facing these struggles, when you're going through this stuff. How many of us have let our struggles, our problems, danger, grief, pain, how many of us have let those things in our life actually determine the outcome instead of saying, no, something will come out of this? If you're on a road of grief, and grief is a long road, When you're on that road, it's painful and it's long, it's not easy, but when you're on the road of grief, grieving somebody you love, somewhere along that road, you have to make a determination. Will God change me and will I grow or will I stay here and it determines my outcome? Now look, I don't mean, will grief change us? Yeah, absolutely it will. But we have an option even in grief to say, God, will you meet me and change me in it? How many of us keep fighting for breakthrough, but not for change? How many times in our life have we wasted because we say, well, God's in it, but we don't really try and find God in it. See, he goes on in verses 3 and 4 and verses 10 to 12 that faith becomes real faith, godly faith, mature faith is forged. What does that word forged mean? Okay, well, look it up. It it, it says, you know, if you look up the definition, it's in transitive verb, to advance gradually but steadily. To advance with an, an abrupt increase of speed or to form by heating in a forge or beating, or hammering into shape. Faith really doesn't become mature and complete without fire, without pain. Verse 12 kind of actually uses this word um, because in verse 3 and 4 and verse 12, it's the same idea, and it's this Greek word. It's called hupomeno. So I, I asked to borrow some weights today. This is a little less than I would normally use, but... Um, uh, depends on what I'm doing. Sometimes, you know, it depends. If it's a tricep stretch, I'd use it. But, but here's the thing. Hupomeno is this, okay? Hupomeno. Expand. Contra- Come on. We're Pentecostal. Say it again. <laughs> Expand. There we go. Very good. You can talk to me, okay? Let's not have a conversation, but you can talk, all right? So expand, contract, Right? And without it, what happens? We all know, right? We all know what happens when you lift weights long enough, what happens? You'll build muscle. But how are you actually building muscle? What's happening, Tony? (laughs) Correct. 
You're literally taking the fibers of your muscles and tearing them, and then as they repair themselves, they become larger. Over and over, repetitively. So here's the thing. I'm seeing a little in the scale, a little in my clothes, not nearly what I'd like to be, but I'm not quitting. But I've been in the gym for 10 months. You can ask my wife, lifting. In the last few weeks, as far as lifting, I've scored some major gains, like more than I've ever seen. I like press like 525 pounds this week, which I was like, I didn't even know I could do that. You know, I benched more than I ever benched. Now, for some of you, that's not impressive, and some of you are like, that's a lot. I don't care. It's a, it's a gain for me. I grew. I knew that. I'm trying to tell my stomach, it's not listening, but I know that I've gained a certain amount of muscle, right? That I, I can lift more than I probably ever have been able to lift, but it has taken forever to just get to some of the lifting goals I wanted to get to. It takes for, it is long, arduous, sweaty, painful, over and over and over. And it is that pain which causes growth. And some of you would be like, well, God wouldn't do that because God doesn't cause pain, Pastor Brian. You just read, he doesn't, he doesn't allow temptation, blah, 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 blah. Okay, stop. Does God want us to have pain in order to grow? No. But God also works in the system that has been set up. Because if he doesn't, that means he has to return. Once he sets everything right, which will be a glorious day, there is no more salvation. You're in or you're out. And it's mercy, his mercy has given us more time. Okay, so he has to work within the system, which means he has to allow. How many of you have taught your kids to ride a bike? Put your hand up. Any of you? Now keep your hands up if that, your kid, while learning to ride a bike, never fell. Because if so, your kids should teach a class. You never fell, Rosie? Never once? I don't believe you. <laughs> um, you do seem to have cat-like reflexes, though. <laughs> and what kind of parent would your kid ever learn to ride a bike if you, never step, if you always stepped in and made sure they never fell? They would never be mature in the ability to ride this thing. They must experience the fallout in order to grow into the ability to go. It's part of the walk. It's the hypomeno. It is contractions. So I've watched my wife give birth six times. I won't get in the details. If you've been in that room, you know. If you don't, your day is coming, okay? But the thing about a contraction is, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It is hypomeno. It is, it is getting smaller. It is tightening up so that it can enlarge, so that it can become wider. So sometimes things get smaller before they get bigger. 
That is how it works. The Bible even talks about that language when it comes to Jesus coming back and the church growing and coming into what it's supposed to. It talks about birth pains and things like that. And James is saying, don't deny it. Don't run from it. The contracting thing might be the pruning thing of God to help you grow and change. God, it feels like you're taking stuff away from me. It feels like you're not giving me what I want. It feels like you're not hearing me. And the Lord is saying, good, now lean into that. Because the very thing that makes you think you're shrinking back and getting smaller is what God is doing to open it up and do a bigger thing. The Western church is in this season now and it needs to even understand it. Because right now, the church is shrinking dramatically. And I think it's for a move of God that's going to come. But the Lord is winnowing it down to the faithful. Sometimes if you're in the gym long enough, you know what you realize? Today, I, 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 I don't get to lift the big weights because I'm not there. And my body's just not doing it. The other day, I'm like, but I've lifted that other days, but I can't today. So you know what? I'm going to do what I can today. Today, it's 25s. Today, it's 15s, whatever it is. Because today, I, I'm, I'm still going to grow, and I'm not going to waste today because it's all I got. I'm not promised tomorrow, so what if you, some of you are like, well, I'm just waiting for the season to end to get better. What if the season doesn't end, or worse, what if you go home to be with the Lord, and you just wasted this moment that you had with the Lord? I mean, God forbid, like, I don't mean to be morbid, but what if God wants to move right now instead of just later? I know a pastor who planted like a year or two before us. He's still portable. They've been doing it like 10 years. They meet in a theater. They've seen like 300 people coming and keep growing and keep moving. They have millions in the bank towards a building. But they're in no hurry. Why? Because he embraced the season. Like, do what you want right now, God. I don't need it later. Where would we be if the church in Acts was like, you know, we're really going to be something when we get a building? <laughs> That'll be the day. Thank God, thank God, Stephen and Paul and Peter didn't say that. I look forward to that day as much as everybody else in this room, probably more. Except for, like, probably less than on my hands. You know, not hardly anybody in this room has been here since day one and here almost every single Sunday. Chase and Charlie, Lauren, Jen, you know, and, and a few others. Some of you came a little bit later, but towards the beginning. Novaks, okay? And that's okay. But seven years is a long time to set up. And yet at the same time, I'm like, but as long as you want, God, as long as you move. You can see the church growing and growing. And then, but at times, what happened? It got smaller. You're like, oh, God's not moving anymore. No, no, no. Hippomeno. It's contracting to build again, to make room, to tear something down. Some of us want the growth without the pain. <laughs> My wife, yeah. Me too, at times. I want it without the struggle. But that isn't the way it is. That's not the system we're in. 
This world has fallen, and we will have trouble, and there is pain. But the beauty is, James is teaching us. God is using James to teach us. But even the pain comes great victory. Lord builds you up and makes you strong and powerful in him and effective. How many of you have ever felt that growth point, that pain point? How many of you can honestly say, and I've leaned into it, how many have learned that faith thrives in fallout? See, it's taken me forever to learn the lesson that faith Struggle doesn't stop my faith. It's actually not even my enemy all the time. Sometimes it's often my opportunity to begin to grow. Say, God, change me. And some of you are like, well, I've been growing long enough, Pastor Brian. I'm done. (laughs) Bring me my answers. Bring me my freedom. Bring me my breakthrough. Bring... What I would tell you is, even when those times are glorious times, and we'll believe God with you for those days because they're awesome, but let me tell you, even right now, like let's say, you know, I get down to 150 and I have an eight pack and, you know, I can bench 500 pounds. Great if I ever get there. But even when I do, you know what? We joke about it, but the truth is anybody who's in the gym regularly knows you're never done because health and wholeness are an ever-present issue. You're never done growing in Jesus. You're never done growing in the Lord. It never stops. And yet, in the American Christian church, we have figured out a way to stop growing because we just leave the church and find one that meets my needs more. I feel more connected here. They, they, have, they have a slide, <laughs> right? So just go down the line. Well, they, I, I like their giving pattern better. I like this more. They, they come alongside me more. They, understand, they have a counselor on staff I don't have to pay for. You know, just pick, pick whatever your thing is of like, they're better. Man, I, I, I'm fine with whatever it is that God needs for his church. But so many believers just use that as excuses to never grow up. How many of us have made excuses and reasons in our life. We want all the blessing. We want all the breakthrough and we want all the freedom. But who wants to actually be like Jesus? See, we want to see things that Jesus does. But very few of us want to actually act like him. We want to do what he does. We want to see what he sees, but we don't want to be who he is. I want to forgive like Jesus forgives. You know how he forgives as far as the east is from the west? When I bring up my sin to him from the past again, he looks at me and he says, I don't remember that. We don't treat each other like that, do we? Do we have that kind of grace for, forget the world, just other believers? No. (laughs) 
I want to believe in people like he believes. God so loved the world. We sang it this morning. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't give his only son because he's like, but I doubt they'll ever make it. <laughs> Can you imagine if, uh, no. That's how much God believes in us. Here, take my kid. Do you see what I'm talking about? We choose not to grow in pain and struggle and hurt. Say, people keep hurting me, Pastor Brian. Have you ever considered it pure joy and said, God, what do you want to do in me in this? Because maybe, just maybe, God's allowing them to hurt you to help you. No, God wouldn't do that. You just said he doesn't tempt us. You're right. But he might be allowing, not causing, allow and cause are two very different things, which is a whole other theological conversation, okay? Sovereignty and causality are separate categories, okay? Sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> it's all coarse. Anyway, so say all that to say, if God's allowing it, I spent years being bullied. Years. And I can remember more days than I can remember. My mom teaching me the power of forgiveness. To forgive my enemies and those who hurt me. When you're 10, 12 years old and kids are jumping you in the hallway and beating you and you're afraid for your life and they make fun of you and you don't even interact with them. They just do it to you. It's not fair. You're right. It wasn't fair. Did God cause that? No. But did God allow something in order to shape and change me? Undoubtedly. God takes the worst of the evils in this world and he says, now watch what I do. Now don't get me wrong. I can still struggle with unforgiveness and bitterness and all. Oh, I can. I can struggle with a victim mentality. But I can also let things go pretty quickly. I, I can take a lot of hits and be like, and I still love them. I learned that from that time. You know, he goes on and he says, ask for wisdom to grow. Matthew Henry said it this way, ask for wisdom to grow instead of relief. How many of us have said, God, would you take this from me? But we didn't pray it like Jesus prayed it. We prayed it like, you know, we would pray it like, Lord, you want me to have no problems ever. <laughs> Amen. Versus the way Jesus prayed when he's sweating blood, which is pretty cool. Side note, the most manliest moment in history is when the Savior prays, and he prays so hard, he sweats blood. So don't ever think real men don't pray. Real men pray so hard, it's killing them. But in this moment, how many of us have said, don't take it away? 
change me. I don't need you to change it. I need to change. God, I get so angry. And I keep getting things that make me angry. <laughs> it's funny. He's never once changed traffic to change my anger. <laughs> right? It's not my fault. It's all of their fault. <laughs> Bunch of Satanists on the road. Right? No. That's, it's true. And instead the Lord says, no, let me change you. How many of us have wanted that growth point that says, I need to change, Lord. And don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about God's love for you. His love for you will never change no matter how much you do or don't change. Your growth is not a matter of God's love for you. Your growth is a matter of how much God can entrust you how much weight he can put upon you. See what I'm saying? When I go to the gym, I can lift more now than I could. I can trust a certain amount that I couldn't before. And some of you are like, I don't want more. <laughs> but what if, what if more is a blessing? See, one thing I do know, it's one of the reasons I've lifted, is because I know the greater the muscle I have, the more fat I'll just burn in a day. Because the more muscle you have, the more fat you burn. The more spiritual muscle you have, the less things get you down and destroy your life. The more you let the pain grow you, the less pain gets into your life. The more you let offense come, and let people disappoint you and forgive them and learn to love them anyway and play, play blessings on them and believe the best about them anyway is the more, is the less you'll actually ever be offended. Because you realize, that the, as that book said, you don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. You realize what, when somebody dies who you love so dearly, what do you figure out? So much stuff doesn't matter. And you, we made it count, and it's so stupid. We made things like the height of importance when they're not that important. And, and if you're like, well, I've experienced that. I experienced death, and I learned that lesson. Believe me, as somebody who's experienced severe death in his life, the same struggles still come back around. you got to stay in the gym. You can still get bitter. You can still deprioritize the right things. And so many people do that. They choose comfort over, over conviction. They choose programs over progress. You know, how many families, like my kids in this and they're in that and they're in this and so I can't, you know, how many families, I, I drive past every single Sunday, I drive past those soccer fields off of Bruce Road. And there are hundreds and sometimes thousands of people there every Sunday morning. Every Sunday. Now some of those families don't know anything about it. And is there anything wrong with your kids playing soccer or sports or anything and being good at it? No, it's awesome. Good for you. Go for it. But at the cost of what? You say, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting out Sundays. 
I'm going to cut out Wednesdays. I don't have time for a circle. I don't have time for this. Why? Well, because it's, it's not comfortable. It's a little more painful. Or maybe it's robbing me of the opportunity for this or that. Maybe. This is between you and the Lord. You've got to figure that out. But I would always err on the side of the Lord and growth over the side of success and schedule. Faith sets its face like flint in verse 6 to 8. The double-minded man is faithless, single-minded, unwavering. He's a fool. Going back and forth, well, I, I love God, but... Well, I, I know God can heal me, but let me, let me just tell you, um, put your butt away. <laughs> what if God can and God will should be a little more synonymous? I know God can heal me. I don't think he will. Put those two together. Well, I know God can deliver me, but I don't think he will. Put those back two together. You're double-minded. We struggle. There's a great story in the Gospels about the man who says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. There's a beauty in that honesty and transparency, okay? I've walked that out plenty in my life. But then there comes a point that says, I got my doubts and I got my fears, but I have my faith first, not my doubts. A faith-filled life is not without doubt. It's just not in the front seat. My faith will drive my decisions. My faith will drive what God will do in my life. My fa- Lord, you, not, not, not the variables, you. We've done that for far too long. Isaiah 50, verse 7, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. I'll set my face like flint. And I'm closing with this. The flint was like a piece of rock that was so hard you could use it to build things on or make tools from or, 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 or something else or start a fire. this verse here in verses 6 to 8. We're going to watch something and then we're going to close. But Job 19, I posted about it the other day. Job 19. Job has lost his wife or at least his marriage. His children are all dead. All his animals are dead. That, that, that was his living His health is gone. He's got boils all over his body, probably infection. And his friends have been laying into him saying, it's your sin in your life that caused your kids to die, caused your businesses to fail, your marriage to fall apart, and your health to vanish. It's your sin. Good friends, good friends. And in Job 19, with no hope, with no breakthrough on the horizon, with no sun shining, nothing, there's a phrase that people know quite well, 
that became very popular. I know my Redeemer lives. He has no earthly reason to believe that. But he knows his God so well that in the midst of his hell, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'll ever get out of this. But I know my Redeemer lives. Years ago in the throes of our grief after Seth died, I remember a few friends saying multiple times, lean into the pain. Stop running from it. Here's the problem. If you don't deal with your issues in life, they deal with you. If you don't lean into the struggle, the struggle will lean into you. Stop fighting what God has allowed to be brought to your table and start saying, all right, God, change me. I need to grow up because I'm kicking at the goads and I don't want this. And if it's here and you're allowing it, I got to stop fighting and say, all right, do what you got to do in me and help me not to rush this process. I've been fighting it a long time. And I'm done fighting. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Oh